Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nature's Finest, where every week we discover a new and exciting destination for outdoor fun. I'm your host, Garrett, and I have to say I've really loved recording the first couple episodes of this podcast. I love talking about these parks. I love giving attention to parks that don't get primetime commercials and billboards. And I can't thank you enough for tuning in. I hope you'll continue to do so. I've got a generous amount of regular episodes and even a few bonus episodes planned, and I'm hoping to settle in and keep new episodes coming at a rate of one or two per month, just depends. Ideally, you guys won't go longer than three weeks without a new episode. So, last episode, we explored an awesome resort-style park in Indiana that made us feel like we were in a scale model of the Smokies. It had a lodge, it had cottages, multiple campgrounds, and it could take you a few days to cover all the hiking and biking trails. Brown County was a lot of fun to talk about. And if you haven't checked that episode out, I encourage you to, because Brown County State Park is a truly wonderful place. But this time, we're going a little more remote. Not a ton, but a little. We're venturing down to the Tennessee-Kentucky-Virginia border, just outside of Middlesbrough, Kentucky, to a massive 20-plus thousand-acre national park that has as much history as it does adventure. Almost 85 miles of trails take you through the history and the adventure as you traverse mountains, ridges, hollers, and valleys where Native Americans, American explorers going west for the first time, and even Civil War soldiers once traveled. The famous Wilderness Road passes right through the park and you almost feel equally one with nature and our country's history. Today on Nature's Finest, we're going to Cumberland Gap National Historical Park near Middlesbrough, Kentucky. Two other parks worth visiting are within 15 miles of this park, which is why I decided to make this a three-part episode so that I can cover the entire Cumberland Gap area, the three parks that are there, and each part gets its own episode. Be sure to tune in for the other two parts, where I cover two other beautiful state parks, Pine Mountain State Resort Park in Pineville, Kentucky, and Wilderness Road State Park in Ewing, Virginia. Now, as for Cumberland Gap National Historical Park, it has a very rich history, And I'll give you a brief rundown of it before I get into the area that the park is in and even more into the park itself. As always, I'll give you a rundown of what's around the park, what's in the park, and how the trails are. I couldn't be more excited. So let's get started. Cumberland Gap was opened as a National Historical Park in 1940. It encapsulates part of the original Wilderness Road, which was used by American explorers expanding west of the Appalachian mountain chain. There are also forts throughout the park, Civil War forts, 
where visitors can see bits and pieces from the war, such as cannons, and read a little about the events that went down there from interpretive signs. A few of these areas come to mind. There are forts that I think of that I either visited or passed by signs for, including Fort McCook, Fort Farragut, and Fort Lyon. Now, Fort McCook I've seen many times, as it's along a trail that I make sure I do every time I'm in the area. And while I believe I've been close to the other two, I don't necessarily remember seeing them. There's also a settlement in the park, the Hensley Settlement. The Hensleys felt a need to escape from where society was trending to go at that point in time. This would have been roughly around the 20th century, beginning about the turn, turn of the 20th century or so. And to escape the society that was a product of the Industrial Revolution, they chose a very remote area atop a mountain in the Appalachian chain where they would establish a settlement to call home. And this is where they would go on to live a simpler life, free of all the new modern trends and lifestyle changes born from the Industrial Revolution. And that settlement still stands today. Tours are available for visitors, and sometimes the trail that leads to the settlement is opened for rugged 4x4 vehicles led by the ranger service. But this is a pretty rare event, so don't be afraid to call or do a little homework so you can plan to be around when this event is going on, if you're interested. Now I'll take a second and talk about some of the features and amenities of this beautiful park. And as I mentioned, we're going a little bit simpler, a little bit more remote compared to Brown County, which was our last episode. And therefore, you'll find that this natural wonder is exactly that, natural. There's plenty of hiking and walking. There's camping on the National Park site and plenty of scenic driving. But all the leisure sports and the lodge and the restaurant, those are all things that are not offered at this park. But there are plenty of other options for dining and lodging very close by. There are restaurants in Middlesboro and Harrogate, Tennessee, which is Middlesboro and Harrogate are within five minutes of each other, and you go through about a one mile tunnel to get from one to the other, which is a pretty cool experience, but you've also got lodging in Middlesboro, and 10 minutes north at Pine Mountain State Park, which I mentioned a couple minutes ago. You have a beautiful lodge and cottages, both of which I have stayed in, and both of which are pristine everything you could ask for. The lodge has 20-something rooms that all have balconies looking out over an uninterrupted mountain view. There are no buildings, no highways, just mountains and mountains and mountains. It is awesome. And I've checked out the campground that is on the National Historical Park grounds, and it's awesome. Last time I checked, it was first come, first serve. I don't know if they did reservations, 
but this is a bit more of a underdog park in that it doesn't quite get the attention that the Smokies or someplace like that might get. So you don't have to worry about having that level of crowding or competition for campground usage, at least not generally. Here's an added bonus for those who are feeling really ambitious and adventurous. Last I checked, which was in the past six or eight months, you could actually pull a permit and do backcountry camping. You could take your tent out anywhere in the park, and as long as you followed the rules, you could simply camp wherever you wanted, as if you were on the AT or somewhere else, which makes this a great park to practice that kind of thing. All you got to do is pull a permit. I believe there's a small fee. You cannot go out there without a permit. But it's worth it. The money goes to the park, right? So that's not such a bad thing. And while I was on one of the trails on the Virginia side of the park, I noticed that there was actually a backcountry campground. I did not go visit it in person, but I saw a sign for it indicating that the trail intersection I was at if we were to turn a certain way, we would come across that campground in about a quarter mile. So that might be an option. And for those discerning listeners who want to go check that out, it was somewhere along the White Rock Overlook Trail. So one amenity, getting back to the amenities, that this park does have is a wonderful creekside picnic area. It's got a couple of shelters and there's a there's grills and and all kinds of just wonderful views to be had. Really a great place to have lunch or cook out. So I encourage you to check that out. It's about the most modern part of the park if I'm being honest. The visitor center is nice, but that's to be expected. But the one thing that you really do get here, it's not tennis courts or a swimming pool or anything like that. It's far from that kind of park. But you get 85 beautiful miles of trails. And while I haven't hiked every single mile in the trail network, I have hiked hundreds of miles at this park. I do a lot of repeats, and I generally try to mix in one, maybe two new ones every time I go, which I try to get down there often. But I'll give you more on the trails in a few minutes. There's also, at this park, an abundance of overlooks, and they are extremely rewarding. The two I thought of first were the Pinnacle Overlook and the White Rock Overlook. Now, one of those can be accessed by trail or by car, which is really nice. And that overlook is actually the Pinnacle. And while you're at that overlook, there are bathrooms available, which makes it a great pit stop if you're on your way somewhere else. Or if you're on the trail and you need a facility, it's great, because uh, usually the trail 
there's a couple of trails that pass by there, and usually by the time you get to the pinnacle, you're roughly halfway through your hike. The White Rock Overlook, on the other hand, is primitive, and you can only access it by trail. There's no shelters or bathrooms or even a guardrail to break falls. I mention that to encourage everybody to exercise the normal level of caution, but there is plenty of flat area. There is no danger of falling off aside from the danger you create yourself. I have terrible balance, I can be clumsy at times, and I can tell you I had no issues on this overlook. I felt like I was plenty close enough to the edge to get great views, and I was still 15-20 feet away from the edge, if that gives you an idea. So, I mentioned the lack of guardrails, not to scare you, not to make you think it's unsafe, but simply to warn you uh, to be cautious, especially if you go up there with kids. Just, you know, you never want to have an accident uh, due to a fall. You just can never be too careful. At the park, you'll also find a museum and gift shop. This is actually in the same building and even the same room as the visitor center. So this is where you'll find the information desk and the restrooms. Well, one set of restrooms anyways. You can buy a snack or a bottle of soda there, bottle of water, as well as numerous really cool souvenirs, some of which I even bought myself. Clothing items. Of course, I had to get myself a Cumberland Gap shirt. I couldn't help myself. And in the next room, there's a small museum, has some exhibits having to do with wildlife. There might be a few pieces of history uh, in there as well. And there's a viewing area upstairs, too, where they occasionally show a film about the park. Anybody who is more into the history side of things, I would encourage to check out the movie and be sure to grab a map at the information desk because this 24,000 acre park is easy to get lost in if you're new to the area. Hike through some of the main trails a few times like I have, however, and you'll know the trail system better than the network of roads and highways in your hometown. I promise you that. Now, I'll take a minute to discuss the area, how you can get there, a few different ways to get there, and some of the things you can do outside the park if that's how you wish to arrange your trip. So, Middlesboro is going to be your big town, and that's not saying much because Middlesboro is not all that big. So, if you want to go somewhere bigger than that, you're a good 20 to 30 plus miles. I would say more, as a matter of fact. I'm trying to think of a town that's closer than Corbin, and I want to say Corbin is 40 or 50 miles. And even Corbin's not huge. But Middlesboro is really close. It actually borders the park. And 
that town has a handful of restaurants, a few brand name hotels. There's a little mall. It's it was tiny when it was full of stores. Now it's not so full of stores, but there's a few interesting things to check out, especially if you have a small craving to do a little bit of shopping. And then there's historic downtown Middlesboro, which offers a couple of little shops and places to eat. But remember, you're in small town Kentucky. It's not like going to downtown Indy or Buffalo or anywhere like that. This is a very small town. You can drive through it in about four minutes. Rounding out nearby amenities and attractions would be the town of Cumberland Gap, Tennessee, and Pineville, Kentucky. Now, the town of Cumberland Gap, which is not to be confused with the Cumberland Gap National Historical Park, is a tiny village, a really cute little place. It's got a hotel, it's got a couple of restaurants, and a bar. Now, one of the restaurants, the Gap Creek Coffee House, is one of my favorite stops every time I go down there. On visits to the area with my dad, we typically will hike 5 to 10 miles, get back to the car, and go get brunch or lunch, depending on what time of day it is, at the Gap Creek Coffee House. It's a bright spot in the area for sure. And there's outdoor seating at this cafe that is right up against a creek. This is a really charming place to eat. Cumberland Gap is a really charming little town and I encourage you to stop by there if you visit this area. It really is, uh, like I said, a bright spot. Also in this town is the Iron Furnace Trailhead, which is actually at the back of town. And I will cover more on that in a few minutes when I start to talk trails. There's another town nearby Cumberland Gap National Park. And that's about 10 or so minutes north of Middlesboro via U.S. Highway 25E. That would be Pineville. There you'll find another charming small town with a really good pizza place, a few fast food restaurants, and Pine Mountain State Resort Park, which is just south of downtown Pineville. The mountain itself towers over Pineville, and it will be the topic of another episode, actually the second installment of this three-part episode, as I said earlier. But for the sake of Cumberland Gap, you might like knowing there is lodging, dining, and hiking at Pine Mountain as well, so... What I've done in the past, and I love doing this, I've stayed at the lodge at Pine Mountain and the cottages. And of course, in the Pine Mountain episode, I'll say more about those. But 
I'll get a room at the lodge or a cottage and the reward, how rewarding it is, staying in either one of those accommodations at Pine Mountain makes it worth the 10-15 minute commute to Cumberland Gap if that's the main reason you're visiting the area. And it's a really easy commute. The entrance and exit to and from Pine Mountain is right on US 25. So if you're leaving, you can just find US 25 at the exit and hang a right, and you're on the road that'll take you to Cumberland Gap. You'll be there in 10, 15 minutes. So if you were hoping to stay in an older feeling, more basic, step-back-in-time kind of place like a state park lodge. Maybe Cumberland Gap doesn't have that, but Pine Mountain is very close by, and it does have that. So it's definitely something you could consider an option. Getting to Cumberland Gap is actually a pretty cut-and-dry process. You really have two highways that pass through uh, neither of them are interstates. They are both U.S. highways. But they both make it a pretty direct route from the interstate that you use to get to the general region. U.S. 25E runs north-south through the Middlesboro area. And U.S. 58 is your east-west route. And that's going to be your access to the Virginia side of the park as well, that US-58. You actually access the National Park directly from these highways. You don't have to turn onto any side roads or access roads. There are brown signs that mark just about every part of the park. The Tennessee-Kentucky side is accessed from special designated exits on US-25E. These exits are only for the park, so there's no way to get lost. And the Virginia side of the park is accessed from US-58, and these two highways intersect. It's a little bit more dicey on US-58, though, because not every single trailhead or park area is marked on US-58, and it's not exits, it's... If you're coming from US-25, it's left turns on a five-lane highway. But it's not heavily traveled, and if you have a good map or GPS, you'll find what you're looking for, and it won't be a huge issue. I always encourage people to stop by the visitor center on the Kentucky side and get a full National Park Service map. It does a very good job of highlighting all the trailheads and all the trails and the parking lots. It makes it a little bit more difficult to get lost. So the interstate situation is, like I said, a little rough. The only interstate that's even remotely close as Interstate 75, but it only gets you about 40, 45 minutes outside of Cumberland Gap. So 
I personally always take back roads, especially when I have ample time, but I even try to if it's going to be a little bit tight on time. I just love the back roads. Usually I use US 25 all the way, no interstate at all. But that does add, in this case, a considerable amount of time to the commute because Interstate 75 runs at about 70 miles an hour through central and southern Kentucky, whereas US 25 varies between 35 and 50 mile an hour because it passes directly through a lot of towns. But if you have the time, it couldn't be more worth it. As I've said before, always take the back roads when you can. The reward is greater than you could ever imagine. Now, without any further ado, I'm going to transition to the real reason I'm talking and the real reason you're listening. Let's talk about the trails. 85 gorgeous, breathtaking miles of some of the best trails you can hike ever. I truly believe that. This is one of my favorite places on earth. And let me mention, too, that a lot of the trails intersect and connect different ways. And there's a lot of great ways to map out backpacking routes. And since backcountry camping is available at this park with a permit, this is a great place you could go to either see if it's something you'd be into or to stay in the swing of things if you're just looking for a quick one or two night backpacking route that's really easy, not too challenging. And so I encourage people to try that if they're into it. But the trails at Cumberland Gap are pristine. They always have been ever since I've started going there. I suppose that'd be about five or six years now. And even on the simpler, more mainstream trails that are a bit friendlier to the average person, you get about a quarter mile in, and you have this instant feeling of being way out in the wilderness. And that feeling multiplies the more remote you go with your hiking. There are chances in this vast park to really break away from the crowds, so to speak. And that's not to say that you'll ever go to this park and see that it is extremely crowded. But there are ways to make yourself the only person on a particular trail. There's just so many trails, and they go so many different places within the park. Some of them are a little less traveled, and so it's not very hard to break away and be alone. Although I do encourage people never to necessarily hike alone, I always recommend having at least one other person with you. But for those of you who really feel the need or the desire to fly solo, make sure you bring bear spray. It doesn't just work on bears. Anyways, the trails at Cumberland Gap zigzag up and down mountains. They pass over ridges, take you up through hollers and up to mountain peaks. You traverse all different kinds of terrain in this park. There's trails that are one to two miles long. There's a paved path. And there are five to ten mile long trails, too. There may even be a longer trail as well. But even if there's not, 
so many of them are connected that it would be so easy to map out a 15, 20, 30 mile route. Just depends on what you're looking for, really. A good day hike, a backpacking experience. It's all possible here. I've repeated a lot of trails at this park because they're worth it. While I've hiked many of the trails, I'm approaching 250 miles in this park that I've hiked, but I still haven't quite done every trail. I do try to get there as often as I can. It's a park I really just can't seem to stay away from because the hiking is so good. I do have some favorites, and they're trails that I do every time I'm there. The fitness loop is one. It comes in around two miles. It's a great warm-up trail to do. The Wilderness Road Trail, which has a lot of history. Wilderness Road is a name you'll be hearing a few times over the next few weeks. I can guarantee you that. And, of course, the Boone Trail, the Tri-State Trail, and Fort McCook. And I'd love to take you through some of these, just so you can get an idea of how truly wonderful they are. So the fitness loop actually starts and ends at the visitor center, basically. And so you can go in, get a map, get some information about the park, and if you're somebody who likes to warm up before you hit a more rigorous trail... The fitness loop has a good amount of elevation gain and loss, but it's not too, too challenging. I think you stick within 100 or so feet of your initial altitude. So there's really, some people might say there's hardly any gain or loss at all. And when you're done, you come out about the same level. But lots of great hills. Some of them are steep and all at once. Some of them are gradual plenty of ups and downs and what that does for you is it just gets you warmed up and in the spirit of uh, what the park's about because there are plenty of trails that are much harder but the fitness loop really does a good job introducing you to the altitude changes some of the plants and animals you're going to see and just how beautiful the park really is towards the end you can walk along a creek. It sounds really nice. It looks really refreshing. And on the other side, you can see the bigger-sized picnic area that I discussed earlier. Which means, theoretically, yes, you could bring a backpack cooler packed with a little bit of food and hike to your picnic table and have lunch. I would imagine that'd actually be a really good time. I've used the picnic area, but not in that capacity. I grilled out there a time or two, and that was really nice too. But by the time you're done with this trail, you are ready and raring to go. Uh, I usually start with this trail as my very first hike pretty much every time I'm at Cumberland Gap. So definitely a trail I think you should check out. The Wilderness Road Trail is another really great trail, and 
it's actually sort of a main drag that can connect you to a bunch of different trails that can take you a variety of places. If you catch Wilderness Road from the object lesson side, you can find the Fort McCook Trail, which takes you to Fort McCook, and from there you can hike up to the Pinnacle. From the Wilderness Road, you can also catch Tri-State Trail and Iron Furnace Trail, which will take you to the town of Cumberland Gap. There's also the Gap Cave Trail, the Boone Trail, and all of them are immensely rewarding in their own unique ways. I'll start with the Tri-State Trail. Hiking the Tri-State Trail is a bit of an undertaking, whether you approach it from the Iron Furnace or from the Object Lesson Road. Either way, you'll start from one of those two, perhaps further down east on the Wilderness Road if you're feeling adventurous. But from the Object Lesson Road trailhead, which is how I'm going to develop my mileage for the sake of this discussion. It's about six-tenths of a mile from the Object Lesson Road trailhead, and that's when you reach the trail intersection at which you can turn right and be on the Tri-State Trail. And while it starts off relatively unchallenging, do not be fooled. You'll gain a few hundred feet, maybe more, in a very short period of time by the end of the trail, about the last half mile or so. This is an out and back no matter where you attack it from. And it's only about a mile and a third to get there, roughly but you're really going to feel the climb once you get up to the top. Once you're there at the Tri-State Peak, you'll have the somewhat rare opportunity to stand in three states at once, and that's because the Tri-State Peak is where the borders of Kentucky, Tennessee, and Virginia all come together. There's a cool little marker for each state, and they're under a gazebo that's got a few places to sit and rest for a minute. Beyond that, you've got nice views to take in. This is a peak, so obviously there's an opportunity to look down over the area from higher up. A generous portion of Middlesboro can be seen from one side of the peak through a clearing. And behind you you'll be able to see a clear through a clearing that shows you a little bit more nature and less infrastructure. Once you're at the Tri-State Peak, you actually would also have the opportunity, or the option I should say, to continue going further on the trail and eventually reach Fort Farragut. But if you turn around and go back to the trailhead that you started at 
which in my case would be the object lesson road. And I usually do turn around there. I think I went a little further once, but I didn't go that much further. You get back to the car and find that you've made about a two and a half to two and two thirds mile trip. And even though getting up the Tri-State Peak can be a little bit of work, in my opinion, it's very well worth it. And keep in mind, the trail spurs off of the Wilderness Road. So this could either be a short two and a half, two and two third mile hike, or it could also be a stop along the route of a longer day hike or backpacking experience. And that trail is just the tip of the iceberg. The Wilderness Road also takes you out to the Boone Trail. And again, no matter where you start from, this is another out and back. The way I did it came out to about five and a half miles. And it takes you out towards the Cumberland Gap campground. Actually, the, the Boone Trail dead ends into the campground access road and you walk along the road for a short minute and you're at the campground. So theoretically you could get all the way to the campground on the Virginia side from the Kentucky Tennessee side via the object lesson road trailhead and I would imagine that would be closer to six six and a half miles maybe six and a quarter because where I started from was the Iron Furnace Trailhead, and that couldn't be more than three-quarters or so of a mile away from the Object Lesson Road Trailhead. But in fact, I did start at the Iron Furnace, which in and of itself is an awesome trail. There's a really cool furnace I recommend checking out. A lot of history there. There is a awesome waterfall behind it and it's massive and I've never seen it dried up to any extent it's always pretty heavily flowing it sounds awesome it looks so clear and pristine so yeah I started at the iron furnace trailhead and that trail dead ends into the wilderness road and hanging right at that point took us out on the Wilderness Road to the visitor center that's on the Virginia side, which, while a bit simpler than the one on the Kentucky side, it does still have bathrooms, water fountains, and places to sit and rest. The Wilderness Road Trail dead ends there at the visitor center, and that's where you pick up the Boone Trail. And while some of, of that trail will bump up against U.S. Highway 58. The trail eventually buries itself in the woods and your surroundings become a lot more quiet. What I love about this route is that it traverses some of the trails that aren't too heavy on elevation changes. So once you climb up the Iron Furnace, which is a tiny bit of a climb, the Wilderness Road and Boone Trails do not pose a real challenge at all. It never is completely flat, but these two trails, 
this route, I should say, just isn't nearly the challenge that object lesson to Fort McCook up to the Pinnacle or the Tri-State Trail would be. As I recall, there were a very nice variety of wildflowers along the Boone Trail, some nice hemlock, azaleas, and some pines. Along the Wilderness Road portion of this route, there is that same waterfall I, I mentioned earlier. So you pass by the waterfall and almost kind of walk along it, portions of the Iron Furnace Trail, and when you hang a right, you actually get to walk over it, which is a unique experience. And like I said, it seems to flow all year. I've seen it flowing in January, March, October, middle of summer. It doesn't really seem to matter. It just always flows, at least when I'm there. So that's definitely another trail I'd recommend. Like I said, from Iron Furnace Trailhead in the town of Cumberland Gap, comes out to about five and a half miles round trip. Beautiful, not horribly challenging by any stretch. A little bit of elevation change, but nothing any, even a rookie could handle with minimal difficulty. The Object Lesson Road to Fort McCook and up to the Pinnacle is also another wonderful route. It has a little more shade throughout in comparison to... Iron Furnace, Wilderness Road, Boone Trail. And it features a lot of the same plant life. But there are a few road crossings as you zig and zag up the mountain. It's only a 25 mile an hour road, but as always, be cautious. Look out. Like I always say, you can never be too careful. This trail comes out to about a six-mile round trip from the Object Lesson trailhead to the Pinnacle and back down. It is an out and back. At the Pinnacle, there's a bathroom and an impeccable view, so if you have the time, stay a while. Take it in. I would say it's easily one of my favorite overlooks ever. And I've been across the southern states. I've been to New England up through the Kank Highway, through the White Mountains, the Green Mountains. So that's quite a statement to say that's one of my favorites, but it really is. There is just something so precious, so simple, so vast about it. It's something you have to see in person. Pictures just will not do. One of my favorite parts of the trail, though, is just how cozy it is. It's a nice, thin trail. Two people going the opposite direction can barely pass by each other. And it just gives you this illusion of you're in a more remote area than you actually are. And for some people like me that are not overly experienced, you know, I haven't been doing this since I was four, so going out to the middle of some really remote area with just what's in my backpack, it's something I haven't worked to yet. I'm getting there, but 
I haven't gotten there yet. And this trail is really good at fooling you, with the exception of the road crossings, of course, into thinking that you are absolutely nowhere. And then, boom, you reach your destination, you get out to the Pinnacle Overlook, and you get to take in one of the best views you've ever seen. Just that whole combination, the vibe of the trail, the overlook, it'll easily become one of the favorite trails you've ever done. One of your favorite trails you've ever done. And the Pinnacle is really a special place. It's something I think about during the day, every day. It's something I, I dream about when I'm sleeping. And... You look out, you can see the town of Cumberland Gap from above, and it just looks so small. I mean, it's a small town, but the buildings, they look microscopic. And then, off to the right, I believe you can see a portion of Middlesbrough. I want to say it's the airport you can see from there. Off to the left, you can see Harrogate a little bit, a little slice of Virginia, too. And you can see for miles. It's just green mountains as far as you can see, at least in the summer. Of course, it changes with the seasons. But you just see for a long ways out. It's something that I think everybody should experience. Finally, last but not least, there's the White Rock Trail. And this one's a bit longer, but it's so worth it. It is so worth it. It's not even funny. The White Rock Overlook awaits you at the end of this out-and-back trail. Or at least the point at which you turn around and make it an out-and-back. I believe the trail continues for some time. But the White Rock Overlook is absolutely worth the hard work. I don't know if I like it or the Pinnacle better. The Pinnacle's more accessible, but White Rock is more remote, and somehow it yields you even a higher up position where you can see even further. It's absolutely astounding. But that's all I think I want to say about that trail for now, because I'm thinking about doing a bonus episode that talks only about my experience on White Rock. So, stay tuned for that. Honestly, at this point, I think I've lost count of just how many times I've been to Cumberland Gap. And every time, no matter what season it is, no matter how hot or cold, rainy or sunny, I absolutely love it there. Everything about this park is so simple, pure, and beautiful. Usually, I'd say 99% of the time, I go with my dad, actually. And we almost have it down to a science. We've got our favorite places to eat, favorite places to stay, favorite trails that have become a staple in just about every trip and even favorite itineraries with which we plan our days, where are we going to eat, we always warm up with the fitness loop. Then we do a longer kind of half-day hike 
usually between three and seven miles. Then we go to the Gap Creek Coffee House. And we hike a bunch of shorter trails until the sun goes down. Usually we are familiar with those trails. And every trail I talked about usually is a trail that we will hit on a, dare I say, routine uh, three-night trip to the area. And that's really a statement, because with so many trails to do, the fact that we're willing to limit the number of new trails we want to discover, go back to the old ones because they're just that breathtaking. That's a statement to how not only how well-kept the park is, but just how amazing a place this is to visit. So, to anybody thinking about visiting this park, if we like to do these trails many times it must be worth checking out at least once. This seems like a good time to take a minute or two and talk about the critters that you might encounter at this park. There's not a ton. They're not lurking around every corner. I've really only seen birds, squirrels, deer, rabbits, that kind of thing. But there are some animals to be aware of at Cumberland Gap. Because the Cumberland Gap area is home to black bears and rattlesnakes. And there are a few bobcat as well, from what I've heard. I was told earlier this year that the local bear population was being thinned out by mange, which is really unfortunate. You hate to hear that. But my point is, while bears may be fewer in number than past years, and in comparison to other areas in the Appalachian chain, it's still something to watch out for. Most of the time, they'll want to run. Every once in a while, they get defensive. So, like I said, I haven't seen one in the years I've been going there. I've been told over and over again by rangers, etc., that they're very few in number, and they do not go near people. And... So I always just say be careful. Same with the snakes. There have been several places in years past that we ended up going right by where there was a snake and not finding out until afterwards. So we kind of got lucky, I suppose. So as I always say, be careful, especially in bear country. So last time I said I wanted to start a little segment or ritual or routine where at the end of every episode I'll talk about something that I never leave to go on a hike without. And some of you might say, well, that's obvious, and others of you might think, wow, good idea. So without any further ado, this week I'm going to talk about my trekking poles. No matter where I go, or how easy the hiking or how difficult the hiking is, I never go anywhere without my trekking poles. Now, me personally, I use the Trail Buddies. They were a a gift, a Christmas gift. But uh, they were purchased on Amazon. Not very expensive, if I recall. A decent deal. Most people should be able to swing it. And I'm 6'1 and about 260 pounds as of 
the airing of this. And after spending a lot of miles with them, I can tell you they're holding up very well. So not only would I recommend poles in general, but also just this brand, Trail Buddy. They're excellent. Couldn't recommend them more. They're on Amazon. They come in a lot of different colors. So go check them out. I think you'll like what you see. With that, I would say we're getting ready to wrap up the first part of our Cumberland Gap area podcast episode of Nature's Finest. I really do hope you'll check out the Cumberland Gap, but I also really hope you'll join me next time for part two of this three-part episode where I talk about one little mountain that stands about 2,000 feet tall. It towers over the town of Pineville, which is about 10 minutes north of Middlesbrough. And there's a rock and chain fixture above the town. The chain is supposedly, according to folklore, holding a rock from falling down and crushing the town. There's also around 15 miles of hiking, a lodge, a restaurant, and plenty of activities for the whole family. Next time, we're going to visit my favorite state park in the state of Kentucky. We're going to visit Pine Mountain State Resort Park in Pineville, Kentucky. And I have to say, from the bottom of my heart, You all are in for a real treat. Not only the episode, but when you go there. Because after that episode, you will go there. It is the best place on earth. So I really hope you'll join me next time for that. It's going to be probably my favorite part of this three-part episode. So on that note, I hope I inspired you to visit Cumberland Gap National Historical Park in Middlesbrough, Kentucky. Uh, I hope you will go there and see what it has to offer, which is an abundance of beauty and adventure. But I also encourage you to do your own research and prepare yourself for the environment that you're visiting. While I like to think I'm a pro sometimes, I'm far from it. And you can never know too much. I always say don't hesitate to look things up on official Park Service websites, call the ranger station, but definitely do your own digging. Because while I introduced you to the park, the entertainment nature of the way in which I did it leaves me to say that you can never know too much and you can never be too careful. So get out there, hike a trail, and be safe. Thank you for listening.